Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. That is my name. Did I just space it for a second? Is that happening? Did I just have a mild brain skid, brain fart situation where for a split second I didn't know my name? Do me a favor. Please. Let me have that freedom. Is that from the meditation? Is that is that what you get when you really get deep into it, when you tap into the big nothing, when you hitch a ride on the big frequency, empty your brain that you don't even know who you are. You're just a free spirit floating floating through space from your room. Is that what happens? Because, man, if that was it, I want to hold on to that. I want to have some control over not knowing who I am for a second, you know, in the way where it's because, you know, my brain is so wide open that I'm actually space traveling, not because, you know, I'm having some sort of identity crisis and think I'm a fraud because I'm I'm familiar with that school of meditation. Not great. Not great. That that's that selflessness is not helpful. The kind where you destroy everything about your sense of who you are out of complete self-loathing and insecurity until you're just a, a a screaming nothing alone in your room. Not even sitting in a lotus, just alone screaming nothing. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Welcome. Are you about to doze off? Was that helpful? Hey, look, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Ellen Burstyn is on the show. And uh, she's amazing. She's an Oscar, Emmy, and Tony winner. She's been in everything from Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore to The Last Picture Show to Requiem for a Dream and, of course, The Exorcist. And she has the lead role in this new movie, Queen Bees, which is actually in and of itself uh, worth talking about because Hollywood doesn't make a lot of fun movies starring uh, and about seniors. I, I don't like there's stuff happening on this front. There's the Kaminsky method. I talked to Michael Douglas about that, and that's uh, that's some of the uh, the oldies doing their thing. <laughs> is that is that a, is that a slang that's not right? The oldies. I don't, is that bad? I don't even know. But I'll tell you, it's amazing to watch these actors work at this point in their lives. I mean, on the darker side, if you watch The Father with Anthony Hopkins, which is astounding, um, not a comedy, not funny, kind of menacing in a way in its depiction of Alzheimer's or dementia. I think they're different, not positive. Maybe I should just look it up. I will after this. But uh, but that that performance was astounding. And in this movie, it's it's kind of I think it's mean girls. Only they're they're senior citizens uh, in a in a retirement community. But I, 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 I think it's basically mean girls. 
There's uh, the, the cast is Ellen Burstyn and Margaret James Kahn, uh, Loretta Devine, Jane Curtin, Christopher Lloyd is in it. Um, French Stewart, who I haven't seen in a long time, is in it, and some other. There's other people in it, but the core group is Anne Margaret, Loretta Devine, and Jane Curtin. They play the Queen Bees. Ellen Burstyn is a newbie at the retirement place, and uh, James Kahn comes in as sort of a, a, a slightly damaged love interest, and and Christopher Lloyd is the uh, the, uh, the the hot catch at the retirement center. But these are great actors. It's just amazing <laughs> to see them doing the work. I mean, I interviewed James Conn, and that guy's an animal, man. That guy is like, you know, just, a, he's like all in, and he's a lot. And uh, and he just toned, he toned, I talked to Ellen about this. He, he toned it down, locked in. It was astounding to me because I've been looking, paying a lot more attention to acting as I do a little more of it myself. And to see these, these actors working at this level in their 70s and 80s, it's sort of fascinating that there is a craft, there is a, a a a bunch of tools that they engage in order to do what it is they do, and uh, it was great to watch. And I I think um, I think that the seniors will enjoy it. I I I enjoy. I thought it was a a cute movie. It's a cute picture. A cute picture. Um, also, in in a few minutes, we're going to do a a segment with uh, Tom Sharpling. Another. Uh, Get to know Tom with Tom Sharpling segment that will be coming up. Uh, we'll try to get some uh, some good dirt out of him uh, from his new book this time. I'm gonna keep pushing. I keep pushing. Do you know what I mean? Look, I went to Whole Foods yesterday, and um, right when I walked in, I saw the melons there, so I, I picked up. I started doing my thing, doing my thing with the uh, with the watermelons, holding them up to my head, putting my ear on them, knocking them seeing if you know they're good if they sound hollow if they sound feel heavy and i picked one and then i wandered around did the rest of my shopping i bought meat at the meat counter okay and uh i was in the store for like at least 25 minutes and i get to the checkout and the woman at checkout goes yeah you have a sticker on your ear so in my hair in my hair right by my ear there was a watermelon sticker um and no one said anything i bought meat from a guy and I had a sticker on my ear. Nothing. People just let me walk around. And I guess that's what you do because, you know, you don't know. what. Who wants to take the chance? Who wants to step up and say, hey, buddy, you got a watermelon sticker on your ear? Because what are, what are the odds of me going like, oh, shit, that's embarrassing. Thank you, man. Thank you for telling me. Or maybe I want it that way. Maybe you should mind your own fucking business. You know, I usually have a sticker on each of my ears, a watermelon sticker, but I, fo- I forgot to, to put the other one on this morning. Are you judging me? Are you judging me? I can't walk around with stickers on my head. I mean, what kind of fucking world is this? Who the fuck are you? I live the life I want to live. I've, I've earned it. This is what my freedom looks like. I, I, I have stickers on my head. So, you know, thank you, but no thank you. What are the odds of that happening? Slim, but is that what holds people back? Or they just don't want to get involved? I don't know. Hey, people, look, it, Tom's back. It's it's time again for Get to Know Tom, where we all learn a, a little bit more about Tom Sharpling, our friend and author of the new book, It Never Ends. Why am I saying it like that? Maybe a different delivery on that. Hey, 
<laughs> Wait, our friend and author of the new book, It Never Ends. I can do many reads. I sure. think we're going to. Uh, uh, Just uh, have our, fun with the next one. Our friend. <laughs> go crazy with the third. I think we got it. Yeah. So why don't you just do one for yourself? Go Gonzo. Go Gonzo with this. <laughs> okay. All right, hold on. Our friend and author of the new book, It Never Ends. Um, and then they go A and B a and on B. that. <laughs> what does that mean? It just means not that last one. Oh. <laughs> like when they're doing their select. Right. Let's go with A and B on that uh, one. Available for pre-order at TomWroteABook.com. So, look, some of you know Tom Sharpling, some of you don't. He's the host of The Best Show. Uh, that was previously on WFMU, and now you can get it at uh, Best Show. What is it? dot com. dot The Best Show. dot net. I still get. Do we have the same server or something? I think we do. I think we're connected through Martine. Right, but you know, sometimes I get your sort of like weird updates. Oh that, yeah, that's probably not supposed to be happening. No, I know, and I didn't know why. But it, no, they don't mean anything. Okay. They happen late at night. It's something that that the sites do, and uh-huh. I get like nine. Things mm-hmm. to, like WTFPod.com. Like, and then like occasionally I'll get to, it doesn't mean anything. It's all computer code. I don't know what it does. And anytime I've panicked about it, it has nothing to do with anything. But hold on. I, I definitely, it definitely happens. I forgot to ask Brendan about it. I didn't know why it was happening. Like here on Monday, I've got, I've got three C panels. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, well, that's just the way it goes at night. And then every once in a while I'll get like a, a C panel best show. And I'm like, oh, should I call? Tom and make him worry about this, but I don't. No, we're okay. We're okay. Ignore them. Yeah, that's what I do. I just I don't know why. It doesn't matter. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good. It's great to see you again. I just want to make clear that uh, you know we've been friends a while. I'm not even. I don't. I'm not even sure how it how it happened, but but it was late. It was late in our lives. Yeah, it was. um, We're not childhood friends. No, we didn't grow up together in New Jersey or New Mexico. No, but we. I'm kind of Jersey. Though. We, you are Jersey. You, you have your. Do you feel like I'm Jersey? No, I get it. You, you definitely. I know that Budweiser factory. You were. <laughs> I think you were born behind the no, Budweiser I, factory. No, that's where my grandparents are buried. Okay. Close. That's right. Okay. <laughs> well, and my and my my great uncle's dentist office, Abe, Abe, who was married to my grandfather's sister Tatsy, mm-hmm. and they had the dentist office in the house was there in Linden. Was okay, right there in Linden. Yeah. Yeah, right there off off Route One. Yeah, it. Um, but I met you when you were writing a monk, right? Or yes. No, was it? No, then? I was. I was writing. But we were kind of. You had WTF. I had the best show, and there was all this internet chatter going yeah. on, and people were basically pitting us looking together. to see who could fight with each other. And all I knew about you was your uh, at, your your sort of uh, Twitter avatar. I did, it was just this weird profile drawing, and I'm like, mm-hmm. who is that guy? Yeah. And- <laughs> And it just said Sharpwing. Yeah. And I thought you were some like, I thought you had like, uh, you know, like you, you had some sort of, uh, like you were like a veteran. Like you just had a lot of weight to no. you. Like you had, you know, like you were the, you were the peak. Mm-hmm. And I was just, there's no way you could like Oh, me. well, no. Was that was, so look, I had been seeing you for so many years yeah. at, at eating it and right. all these things. Yeah, and, and you're just a guy. And then there's the time I went up to you and I was, I saw you doing, uh, Jerusalem syndrome, maybe. Oh yeah, one of yeah. The, uh, right. Oh, that's right. That right. We uh, yeah, right. The, at the West Beth. Yeah, and I was like, hey, I really like the show. And you went, yeah. <laughs> that was before we were friends. That was before. But I just want want to make people sh- make sure they know because I I read in the book I learned a lot of stuff about you that I didn't know, 
like really surprising stuff. Like mm-hmm. I don't think anybody knows. I, I think you surprised yourself. You oh, didn't... I I was ready to take so much of this to the grave. Really? Absolutely. And it was just a matter of I wasn't gonna. I never talked about it on the radio or any podcast. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. And you've got thousands of fans. Yeah. Just... And and they don't know any of this. No, it's all all new. But do you think some of them are going to be like, yeah, see, it's not the guy. I... <laughs> no, I think they're just going to be like, oh. Get over here. Yeah, come here, We're sorry. buddy. That sounded <laughs> yes, hard. I think I, a few friends who have read it said, like, now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, okay, there's the missing pieces of that puzzle. Yeah. Okay. But you, like, you've been, but you were, you were really going to be a writer, it sounded like. Well, I mean, you what, were writing, what was it, basketball? Uh, I wrote for basketball magazines and, and just MTV But you were like a kid. Absolutely, yeah. I was just trying to get my foot in the door any which way. I was working at a store, and then I left the. I left the. I was working at a sheet music store. And, oh yeah, yeah, <clears throat> right, right. Yeah, and for a long time. Yeah, you know, like I knew you were uh, a writer, but I just thought, like, I, when I found out you wrote about you wrote Monk mm-hmm. for like years, right? Yeah, it was eight seasons. I was eight, there, all of it from the. I was working as an assistant to the guy that created the show, and I remember when he was like. I have this TV show. Yeah. Hopefully it goes. And if it goes, you'll be the first person that gets hired. And then it did go. And I was the first person that got hired. Well, I thought that was a great part of the story about like sort of like breaks in show business or like, you know, how one pays their dues. Like, I think people that that don't know you can sort of, uh, you know, get a sense of, of the struggle. But like, like when I found out you wrote for Monk, I'm like, oh, he's like a legit show business because I'm putting this together before <laughs> I knew you. Really? Sure. I'm like, so we did that before? The best show, but no, you did it all during. Simultaneously. The best show I was not making a nickel off of, so my day job was writing for TV, and Monk was my first job, and I was there for the whole run of the show. And that was the OCD detective? Yes. With the Shaloub? With Tony Shaloub, yeah. Great guy. The best. Nicest guy ever. Yeah? Couldn't, will never meet another actor as generous as he was. And and like I'm, I'm trying to remember in the book- was there were there problems with anybody? Yeah, there were problems. There was a an incident that uh, I mean, it's better if you read in the book. But there was some some jealousy over yeah. winning awards, and then there was a little bit of a stage event, and it turned into a thing where another thing. It's yeah. probably better off in the the full stories in the book. Yeah, well, that, I mean, yeah, I mean, that was a good tease, I guess. I mean, yeah, I think so. I think that's fair, but it's, but but also like. Well, I mean, I think the most surprising stuff is really, um, you know, when you were younger, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the stuff that I um, I truly, for for all, until the last couple months, I could yeah. count on one hand the amount of people that knew some of those stories. Like just your parents? Just my parents and uh, my sister. And, yeah, wow. Just, yeah, I mean, when I, I mean, you didn't even tell, you know. Oh, you didn't even tell me, like, you give me any heads up. I'm just reading this manuscript, hoping it's good, mm-hmm. so I can be earnest when I say it was good. Yeah, you didn't have to say, hey, man, man. That, that that one chapter. Yeah, that one chapter. <laughs> that one. Looks like you had so much f- fun writing it. <laughs> like those, those, those. <laughs> Those opinion dodges that like, people uh, can do. I didn't. Uh, like, I didn't know a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I'd yeah. be like, "Well, what'd you think of how I?" Oh man, it? I really, I really saw it. 
you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I could really feel yeah. it. Good descriptions. Yeah. Good right. description. What is it, like two, 270, 280? How many pages is this thing going to be? <laughs> <laughs> so now, is this, is this the whole book? Yeah. That font. <laughs> That's an amazing font. Easy to read. Yeah. Blue right Loved through it. it. Blue right through it. <laughs> the blurb would be, great font. Great. <laughs> Good choice yeah. in the fonts. No, it was, it was great, but like, you know, I mean, that... That stuff in high school, right? I mean, it was, yeah, there was, there was. I mean, that uh, was like traumatic. I mean, yeah. like heavy, right? So it's, it's, it's the. Uh, there's heavy stuff that shaped everything for me, right? Going forward, right? And it's stuff that I also uh, swallowed, basically, to be able to just keep going. You hit it, yeah. Either there's there's things where you can either, yeah, you can either face it, yeah, or you can kind of tamp it down, and I. The only course right. for me was to tamp it down, but now I'm at a point where it's just like right. I can't keep tamping it down anymore. So it's the, it's the yeah the whole uh, yeah well I, you know it's in again it's in the it's in the book and I think it works cra- best. It's crazy, yeah. But you know the I mean just being at that place, right? It was I mean, very scary. Yeah, but, how old were you? Eighteen. Wow. Yeah. And so. the and the the yeah. your parent mm-hmm. your parents. Yeah. All right. Just, yeah, I, again, I, I think it works best if people read it in the book. All right. Um, but, okay. I just, it'd be kind of a... Ex- yeah, no, I, I get it. I get no, it, no. but I just, again, all right, okay. I prefer... All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. So, uh, are you enjoying um, Los Angeles? Yeah, I like it. It's... Uh, yeah. I like Los Angeles. It's uh, a lot of good uh, yeah. food. Really? I think so. I think there's good food. <laughs> what that? I mean, dives at you. I mean, is there? Well, no, no. I just, I just okay. There's, right? there's just a, there's a line where certain things yeah. I feel I would be happy to discuss, and other things I feel like yeah play better within the context of the uh, the entirety of the book. Okay. No, I understand. That. I'm just trying to help you, you know, sell it as a friend, and you know, and I, I'm not trying to sandbag. I mean, it's in no, the, no, I did. In I, the book, it's in absolutely. the book. Absolutely. Yes. But you'd rather people just read it in the book than burn. Well, that's all right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess it's because I've read it and I know it, and, mm-hmm. and I think like, man, let's just talk about that. You know, that fucking. I know. It's dark, man. It is. It's right. dark. But but. But fun, but it was you know the way you handled it in the book it was it was there was funny parts there was dark parts but like just the fact that like there's a whole chunk of your life mm-hmm. that is yeah was private for this okay, whole time all right, all right, fine. and is yeah yeah um all right uh, no it's it's good Wait, can we do this one more time I mean I I know this maybe stressed yeah, out a little bit no, but no, let's let's do it again so we'll go we'll do one more time uh, but in the meantime go order the book. All right, go order the book. Uh, it 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 never ends. A memoir with nice memories by Tom Sharpley. You can get it at tomwroteabook.com. and you'll like you'll you'll know why he uh, he's. Um... All right, did you you brought a pie? I did. I right. brought some pies, blueberry pie. All right, all right. We got to figure out something to eat for today. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. I guess uh, we'll try this one more time next week. We'll do another segment of Get to Know Tom. I don't want to pressure him, but man, there's some good stories in the book. All right. Okay. 
and, and okay, we'll just wait until next week and maybe he'll come around on it on at least one story. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. You can order the book, then you'll know the stories uh, at TomWroteABook.com, and it comes out officially on July 6th. Uh, what, a, what a treat it was to talk to Ellen Burstyn. Uh, we were on Zoom, but she was right there, fully present, engaged, amazing memory, amazing to see her. She looked great. Uh, the new movie Queen Bees is now playing in theaters and on demand. It stars Ellen Burstyn, James Caan, Jane Curtin, and Anne Margaret. And this is uh, Ellen Burstyn. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Hello. How are you, Ellen? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You look very nice. Thank you. Where are you? I am in uh, Los Los Angeles. I'm in New York. And you live in New York. I do. All the time. Yeah. I mean, I haven't always lived here, but I lived here the last six years, maybe. Oh, really? Were you out here before that? No, I was in the country. I was upstate. Oh, you avoid L.A.? I've lived in L.A. a couple of times, but it's never my favorite place. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I grew up in Michigan, so I'm yeah. used to four seasons. Right. So it's a seasonal thing, not not the people? Well, the people are, you know... In my business, it's the same people. They're on both coasts all the time. So it's not the people. It's the, of course, the atmosphere of the business, you know, business, business, business. Right, right, right. But it's really that I need leaves to fall off yes. the trees. Yes. You know? I, yeah, I do. I, I do miss it. We just don't. We have, There's two seasons out here. There's chili and fire. That's all there is. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh God! I, I I hope this year is better than last year. I do too. So I I watched the new movie. I I thought it was very fun. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Really? Did you have fun? I did actually. It was a fun movie to shoot. I it, it's one of those movies that, well, first of all, Michael Lembeck, the director, is a yeah. fun guy, and he yeah. keeps this he keeps this set moving and happy and um you know in in it's there's not a lot of negative vibes around right and then and then the actors were all wonderful you know i was i was so like uh kind of uh well you know the the conceit of 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 this the the seniors at this place it's sort of like a a bad girls kind of almost like a high school movie you know based at a at at this uh at this place where where you all live, 
But so the conceit was kind of cute, but I was really uh, moved by people really showing up and doing the work. I mean, I've interviewed James Caan and that guy is like, he's a lot. And he really kind of, <laughs> and he really, you know. That's a great way to describe James Caan. He's a lot. <laughs> but yeah. he really kind of turned it off and focused and, you know, really did the work. I mean, it was beautiful to see. Yeah. Yeah. And you've, did you know him? You've worked with him before. No. Never. First time. No. Did you know him? No. Wow. We had met once. Yeah. But um, I didn't know him. No. And how, how was it to work with him? I mean, I can't. Well, he and I had really good chemistry. Uh-huh. You know, we, we got into um, the relationship. And yeah. we played we played with each other. That's all I ask of an actor is play with me. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know. So you can feel and, it. Yeah. And he did. Oh, that's yeah. great. Because I found when I talked to him, like uh, you know, his I think he's got a very acute uh natural sense and a good uh, ability to read people. He sort of prides himself on that. Because like mm. I watched like, I watched stuff of his all the way back, you know, to, like, the Rain People. And I guess you guys, I mean, he was with Sandy Meisner. Where did you start at in terms of acting? Well, I I was a model, and I thought eventually I was going to be an actress. Yeah. And then one day I decided it was time, and I said, okay, I made up my mind. I'm going to do a Broadway play this fall. How do I get an audition? Yeah. And I said that to everybody I met, and somebody said, I know somebody who's looking for a girl to play a model in a play. And I said, okay. Yeah. And I I went and I I went on stage and auditioned for the part. And it was my first time on a stage. I mean, a Broadway stage. And I got the part. So I started with the lead on Broadway before I went to a class or anything. Really? So did you, and you had not done it when you were a kid or anything? Well, a little, you know, we put on plays in my garage, but oh, right. I'm not sure that counts. <laughs> my brother all, and I. It all counts. You know, I mean, yeah. who were the audiences for the big garage plays? <laughs> yeah. your, your your parents, some kids from the neighborhood? Yeah. Yeah. Right. The people next door. You know. Yeah, sure. What Now, what part of Michigan did you grow up in? Detroit. Detroit was like a great city, right? Well, the, for the automobile industry, almost everybody you knew was connected to cars, either making them or selling them or repairing them or, you know. Is that what your so, dad, well, your family did? Your dad or? No. Uh, no. When you say dad to me, that involves uh-huh. a lot of different people. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> Why? So uh, Why I don't have that? a straight, straight answer to that what, question. How many dads do you have? None. Uh-huh. But my mother, my mother had four husbands. So you know. Oh my gosh! So yeah, but but none of them were your actual father. The fir- her first husband was my actual father. Oh, okay. But I don't know him. Oh, and you never did. But we, we we met, yeah. but there wasn't what you'd call a relationship. Wow! So there's a lot of uh, a lot of so you had to have these relationships for what for every few years did she get remarried or how did that work? Well, her third husband she was married the longest to, and he's the one that I lived with at the same time she was married to. Right, and and he was the father of my younger brother, 
he was a very good father to his son. Uh-huh. Um, but my older brother, who was from the same father I was, yeah, we we were not his favorite people. Let's say. Oh, well, that's that's tough. You know what? Everybody's got something, right? Yeah, f- Every, for sure. Every everybody's got some kind of backstory. Yeah, and I figure it's what you do with it and how you, you know, get conscious. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, being a human, there, there's nothing unusual about anybody's sort of tragedy or or emotional difficulties in life. I mean, yeah, like you yeah. said, everybody's got one. And eventually, yeah, either you you uh, spend your life feeling sorry for yourself or you just, you know, realize it's just part of your life. Right. Yeah. I, I, and I think of it like um, a, a computer programming. Yeah. You know, you, you get the computer gets programmed. And then at a certain age, you go, do I like my programming or do I want to reprogram this computer? <laughs> yeah. And then, you, you know, if you if you make the decision to straighten out all the bumpy parts and deal with them and go into therapy or whatever is your method. Yeah, that's how you get conscious, you know. So, yeah, you make different choices. And yeah. then, uh, and then one day it all comes flushing back into your head, and you have a minor nervous breakdown, and then you just uh, wait till it passes. That's right. <laughs> you get over it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I remember that horrible thing. Now I'm going to just have breakfast. So, right. uh, <laughs> so okay. So, did you leave Michigan like as soon as you could, kind of deal? On my 18th birthday, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yes. That's when I was allowed. Well, I I left the house. Yeah. Uh, and then within the year, I left uh, Detroit and went to Texas, of all places. Texas? Somebody, I was a model. And somebody right. said, said to me, because I was, I wanted to go somewhere. I wanted to start my life. I wanted to mm. see the world. And I was trying to figure out where to go. <laughs> and I yeah. wasn't ready for Hollywood or New York. Right. And Chicago just seemed like big Detroit. So. Right. I was trying to find where to go, and somebody said, oh, Neiman Marcus won the advertising award that year. Yeah. And we were reading about it in the model's dressing room where I work. And and one of the other models said, that's where you should go, Edna. You know, I was yeah. Edna then. And I said, where? And she said, Texas, they like your type there. I said, what's my type? And she said, the all-American girl. And I got so happy that I had a type. <laughs> <laughs> that I fit in somewhere. That right. They like me somewhere. Yeah. So I got in a Greyhound bus and went to Texas. What? what were Dallas? Uh, Dallas and Fort Worth and wow. Houston. I worked in all three. You did catalog modeling? No. You know, it was like in a hotel when the buyers come to town and see oh, the okay. lines and oh, I model. Oh, right. And then in a department store. Everyone's going to Texas now, and it bothers me. You know, people are like, you got to go to Austin. I'm like, it's still Texas. But uh, everybody but, loves Austin. I know. You know? I, I, it's four blocks, though. I mean, yeah, how, for how long? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it seems to be, without getting into politics, yeah. it seems to be a little liberal enclave in the midst yeah. of yeah, Texas. Yeah. I call it the hipster Alamo. <laughs> that's good you're still surrounded by texas now did you well i mean was there anything in your mind 
that was left over from your experience in Texas that you took into the last picture show? I imagine it was a different Texas. Well, it was a different life, but but it was very familiar. Yeah. It was very familiar. I didn't have, when I left Detroit, I didn't have the idea I'm going to be an actress. Sure. I have what I, my ambition was to see the world. Right, right. And the more exotic, the better. Anything right. that showed a different way of life than what I knew. Yeah. So, so I saw the world as Texas <laughs> yeah. for a while. <laughs> and then, and then I was go. ready for New York. Oh, and that was it. So it was just uh, it was Texas, and then and then New York. That was the world that you you saw at the moment. Yeah, but in the meantime, I've seen sure a lot of world. I bet. So when you get to New York, you 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 model for a bit, and then you do the play. And then when do you start uh, actually working with the actor studio? That wasn't for. See, I opened on Broadway in 1957. Wow. And I worked from then on as an actress doing like guest shots on TV. Was all that New York? Were they shooting all those shows in New York? Or were you going back and forth on propeller planes and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> no, I shot in New York for a while. And then, well, I also, wait a minute. I worked in a nightclub at a, as a chorus girl in Montreal. In a, really? You know, yeah. Did your manager just, your agent just get you that Manager, game? agent, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I was, uh, does anybody know how I can get a job right. in school for a while? And But you'd already yeah. done Broadway and you're doing you're doing a chorus girl gig in Montreal? No, the chorus girl was before Broadway. And that was when I was still a model. And that was just a nightclub gig? Yeah. And like behind a comedian or was it a show or was it a variety show? Or how does that work? It was, well... Dick Van Dyke. Oh yeah, was a comedian. Uh, yeah, he was part. He was an act. Yeah, he had an act at that time where he w worked with another guy, and they mimed records like opera singers. Right, right. <laughs> they were very funny. <laughs> so we had two dance numbers. Yeah, um, and one of them was Vic Marilyn and his Enchanted S Strings. Yeah, And he was a violinist and he had a group of girls playing the violin and they played meditation from Thais. And then we came on like ballerinas and we had fake white violins and we took their place uh -huh. and danced Yeah, where they had actually been playing. And then the, our other number was a gaucho act where we did a lot of stomping and clicking our fingers, black satin. Did, did you know how to do these dances or you just learned them? Well, I was a sort of a dancer. Right. I yeah. mean, I, I was on points when I was three. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, I was an acrobat. Oh, really? Um. Yeah. So so I could, you know, I was a backline faker. Yeah. I mean, nobody was going to have me be the star of the nightclub act. <laughs> but so that's a, that's, a, that's a hell of an introduction in the show business. I, I always like... Yeah, not everybody had the experience of doing something gritty. There's something about nightclub work that's very gritty, and it introduces you to a, 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 a an element of show business that you never quite forget, and it really is uh, a kind of um, visceral and, and, and human. There's something about being backstage at a nightclub. I every, When I do comedy now, I'm like, this is really what show business is about, is that moment before you go on stage. And I think that happens in theater, too, right? Where you're just sort of like, I'm about oh to do God. it. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was so tense. <laughs> this is funny. I was so tense when I went on the first time dancing in the number. And we took our entrance from the kitchen onto yeah. the stage. Right. <laughs> when I, I smiled through the whole thing, but my mouth is so dry that my lips stuck to my gum. And yeah. when I got off stage, I couldn't make it go down. Yeah. And one of the other girls grabbed a lemon from the bowl in the kitchen and said, suck on this. And I sucked on the lemon and then I could get my lip <laughs> down off my gum. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God the kitchen was right there. Thank God. Really. <laughs> but I learned how, how what to do in case your lip ever gets stuck on your gum. Sure. And you learn how to like, you know, take the stage. I just think it's so funny that there, you know, this amazing thing that we do as entertainers, you, you always got to walk through the kitchen. You, you like you <laughs> right before the big show. Yeah. You know, there's a guy at the dish machine spraying dishes and you're like, how you doing? Here we go. I love that. But I guess I'm just curious about, so you did some theater and then you started to study because you wanted to know how to do it better on your own? You just decided that there was a deeper thing you could do that when the acting thing really started for you, uh, you you felt like you wanted to train deeper? I had a career from 57 when I started to yeah. about the late middle, middle to late 60s. Yeah. And I, and I was cast in a movie called Goodbye Charlie, starring De Debbie Reynolds, and Tony Curtis and Walter Matthau. And I was also starring. And yeah. It was a big Technicolor glitzy yeah. kind of movie. And I was sitting on stage and I said, well, this is it. This is the big time. Yeah. Next step is I'd be playing Debbie Reynolds' part. And this voice in my head that speaks to me occasionally said, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Much to my surprise. And I knew what I did want all of a sudden. And I, this was in Hollywood. And I packed up my kid and my dog and my bags and my piano and moved back to New York and went to Lee Strasberg and got into the art of acting. It's interesting because, like, you know, you obviously had uh, uh, the, the looks and a knack for being on stage and you had everything that you could do naturally. But were, how did you know about, about Strasbourg? I mean, how, why did you decide there? I, I knew that there was uh, actors like Marlon Brando and Jimmy right. Dean and oh, so Geraldine right. Page. Yeah. And I got the feeling that they knew something I didn't know. Right. And, of course, I had heard of the actor's studio and Lee Strasberg's, you know, reputation yeah. preceded him. And they all were... Actor studio people, they all study with Strasbourg. Right. And I thought, that's where you go if you want to learn what it is they know that I don't know. So, and did you did you learn it? I did. How long did. did you did you train directly with Lee mostly? And his wife, Paula was her name. I studied with both of them. And Paula was a great teacher too. Um and then she died after a few years, and I continued studying with Lee. And I studied with Lee for the rest of his life, into the eighties. Really? I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, what is now? Tell me what the like because so that would have been you know 
20 years or what what keeps growing you know what do you keep going back for for in terms of of that particular method of acting to keep studying what what do you keep studying with that with that man what do you keep finding well let me put it this way um horowitz the pianist practice eight hours a day every day until he died yeah and actors mostly can't get the practice except when they get a job you know right, so it's right. like if horowitz only played the piano when he had a concert yeah so you need to practice any art form it doesn't right. matter what it is right and that's what the actor's studio offers it offers a stage an audience a place to bring in a piece of work yeah. and try and develop you know you you try and do something that you don't think you can do right you try try and take on a part that really sounds very hard so that that you've sort of uh you seem to do that a lot in your career <laughs> don't you challenge yourself well, i love challenges yeah i really do I think that's how you grow. I don't think you grow without challenging yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. And do you, do you feel that there were times where you, you fell short? Oh, do of you, course. <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> are there are there movies you've done where you're like, oof, I don't need to see that again? I I was in a movie. Yeah. I think I'll not name it. Okay. And when I saw it at the opening, yeah. I went. Oh my God! Now I know how to play that part. Oh no! I you, know what I didn't do. You figured out the key. Oh God! It was just one of the most horrible moments of my life when I realized I am looking at my mistake on screen. But no one else knew. No. You were just you could you could have brought another dimension to it that you, you I I know that feeling where you're like I missed the key to that person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and and that's a bad feeling. So do you find when you when you take on a role that you, you that's what you're looking for first is is some sort of portal into that person, some sort of basic sense of that person? Well, yeah, some understanding of them as a human being and what makes them be the way they are, what they come from. I always write a history of my character. You do? Oh, yeah. That you that you sort of make up, yeah. Backstory. Backstory. I write a backstory, and I make it up out of what the written character infers. Mm. You know, that, right? Sure. That I, I keep saying, "Why would she do that?" Interesting. Oh, she must have had this kind of experience. You know, uh, so wow. I I write a, a biography. Oh, that's amazing. So you really go line for line. I guess you could say that, but it's not so much that as why they do what they do. Sure. Yeah. You know? Okay. Sure. Yeah. Why they are the way they are. Yeah. 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 What are the intentions? Where do they come from? What are from? the intentions? Very good. <laughs> Kazan and, said, if you don't know your intention, don't walk on stage. Really? Yeah. He was, was he at the studio when you were there? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was, you know he started the studio. He was the creator of the studio. Wasn't it called something else in the beginning? Act the 
Actors Theater or like what was the one with Odette's in the? Where... Uh, that's the Group Theater. Group Theater, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's a separate organization. And, but Kazan directed there, right? And when the Group Theater closed and he was established as a director, he found that he couldn't find any actors like he had at the Group Theater that had been trained by Strasberg. Yeah. So he started the Actors Studio so that he could have actors developed for him to work with that uh, what he like what he was used to. So he brought in Lee then. So he had a big plan. You bet. And it worked. <laughs> yeah. Was he uh it seems like you've like worked with a lot of formidable, you know, directing talents, some charismatic people. I mean, was Kazan intense? Was he like when you were around him, did you feel the uh, the sort of brilliance of that guy? Yeah. But of course you feel the brilliance most when you see his work because Right. Yeah, you know, in person he was he was a guy. Just a guy. You know, a nice guy. I mean, you know, an interesting guy, but he was a guy. But then when you saw his work, you went, "Wow." Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Pretty special. Yeah, because as an actor, you don't really know what they're up to until you see it. I mean, you know the scene you're doing, but you don't know how it's all going to look put together. That's for sure. Yeah, and what now? Would you say your biggest break, the first break, was the Last Picture Show in terms of movies? Yeah, I would say that. Bogdanovich is another guy. He's a he's kind of a lot to deal with. Was he good to work with? I loved him. Yeah, smart. Yeah, right? very smart. Very tuned in. Understands the process. Um, knows what actors go through. It's amazing how many act directors don't know what goes on inside an actor when really? they're working. I worked with a director who is a, a very big director, very successful. Yeah done really remarkable work yeah in film not a stage director and i told him about an event that happened internally when i was doing a play and what occurred and what i had to do inside to deal with what happened and so on and so forth and he said to me you mean you can think of other things while you're acting i almost fell over yeah (laughs) Think of other things. My God, there's so much going on while you're you're acting, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're like stoking the furnace all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that a director could be that talented and and successful and wonderful and not know that actors think of other things while they're acting? It, it was like a miracle to me. I, I, I couldn't imagine how they did it. <laughs> did you tell them that? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and also, I get the 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 King of Marvin Gardens was sort of, that was a big movie. Oh, it was ruined by the critics. Ruined. But it's a great movie. I love that movie. It's one of my favorites. I just, I get sort of, I don't know if I'm nostalgic or I'm a fan or what, but I, I, I have to assume it was very exciting working with those guys at the, in that era. All of them, Bob Rafelson and, and Nicholson and, and all of them. And Bruce, it must have been just... Bruce You know, oh. we were all friends. Yeah. And we were friends before we were famous, anybody. Yeah. And I mean, when when... Bob Rafelson, who was a pal, you know, he and his wife is still a friend of mine. When he cast me, Jack had been doing 
you know, motorcycle movies. For Corman? Yeah. Yeah. And and Bruce had done some good films, but there, there was nobody was a big star. Sure. Yeah. And so we were just into the work and we loved working together, I would say. I actually studied acting with Bruce. Bruce was oh, yeah. also a member of the actor's studio. Right. And he did private classes. Oh, yeah. And he, and he was a very uh, important uh, stimulation to me. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, he he made me think about myself in a different way. Um, you know, the things he said to me that was very encouraging. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Uh, you seem to have a very clear memory of the whole sort of process, all the things that happened in your life. It's a, it's a, it's a real gift. Good for you. <laughs> well, you know, I, I kept diaries my whole life. And, that, and then I wrote a memoir called Lessons in Becoming Myself. So I reread my diaries all the way back to, you know, the beginning, and which was an astonishing experience. Really? Oh, my God. Yeah. Because of the different emotional tones you had, or how you reacted to things, different, uh, like, it must be like looking at a different you somewhat. I remember actually yelling at myself. Through, I'd read a page of my diary and I'd go, what are you, crazy? Wake up, girl. <laughs> and then sometimes a few pages later, it looked like she heard me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so great. You, you kept diaries. It's some. I, I don't. It's and it just all kind of dropped into the slots of your memory. I guess it reactivated it, huh? Oh yeah, because I had forgotten a lot of stuff, and then when I read it, I went, "Oh my god, I forgot about that." And yeah, it was it was a, a, a very enlightening, nourishing uh, process to go through. I, I recommend it to anybody. I just watched uh, um, Harry and Tonto again recently. That's a, like a sweet movie. Why did you watch that in particular? I don't know, man. I, I think it was because, you know, I, I had some, there were weird moments, you know, during quarantine where you're like, you know, thinking about things. And I watched a lot of old movies. You know, I watched you in The Exorcist. I watched Alice uh, Doesn't Live Here Anymore. But I watched, like, for some reason, I, I was curious about Art Carney. And I wanted to see Art Carney. I wanted to see that movie again. But, you know, Art Carney and I knew each other from the Jackie Gleason show. Did you know I was on the Jackie Gleason show? I did. I didn't know exactly how long or what you did there or how long that went on for. I was one of the girls. Okay. And, and um, so I was on for a year and it was live every Saturday. So I, I spent my Saturdays in the theater with... Jackie Gleason and Art Carney and all these great comedians who would come in yeah. and and take part in the show because Jackie wouldn't appear until showtime. Yeah. Or actually dress rehearsal, but he wouldn't do the dress. He would watch it. Yeah. Um in, from his dressing room. And then he would do it live without having rehearsed, which always means that it would be God knows anything. Yeah. And wonderful. Yeah. Um, so when they were timing for the dress rehearsal for his stand up spot, which is a five minute spot, they would have some other comedian like Jackie Leonard right. come in and, and do his five minute spot. Right. So I got to sit in the audience and see all these great comedians come yeah. in and do Jackie's five minute spot. So it was one of the best trainings in 
in comedy. Who do you remember seeing that was like just unbelievable? Well, Jackie Leonard for one. Oh and, yeah. And Jack Carter. Oh yeah, Jack Carter. Yeah. And Jack Carson, three yeah. tracks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is that Art Carney and I, you know, we would like go on trips with Jackie for a, some kind of charity. There right. would be a parade in Boston and would be in and convertibles waving at the people on the street. So when, so I'm in Harry and Tonto, Art Carney wins the Oscar the same year I've won for Alice doesn't live here anymore. Right. But I'm, I don't go because I'm on Broadway and same time next year. Yeah. So when I came into the theater the next night, the doorman says, I'm holding a call for you. He hands me the phone on the wall and it's Jackie Gleason. Yeah. And he says, well, the alumni did pretty good last night. <laughs> That's one of my favorite moments hearing from him. Uh, was he? He was a. He was a. A, a kind of. Um, I, I can't imagine what it would have been like to known him at that time because he was so hilarious and such a huge personality. He was an amazing person. Yeah. He was just amazing, and you know, we would go bowling. He'd take all the girls bowling. Yeah, you know, and the other true people on the show and <laughs> he just was a riot i mean i i never bowled i yeah. didn't know from bowling and the first time i bowled i got a, a strike a spare and a strike yeah and the guy on our team who i don't remember who he was called down several lanes to where jackie is and he says she just got a strike a spare and a strike and she'd never bowled before and Jackie says, okay, that's it. We're finished. We're going out to dinner. <laughs> he took us all out to dinner. Oh, that's funny. So when you did Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, like how you were offered to direct that? Is that what I read? Well, yeah. But it was me or Marty Scorsese, and I think I chose well. <laughs> Wait, how, how did that negotiation take place? So how did you get that offer? What was the story behind Alice? I, I was shooting uh, The Exorcist. Oh, and okay. The, the dailies were going back. To, we, we were in New York. The dailies were going to uh, Hollywood, where John Kelly was the head of um, Warner Brothers. Yeah. And... He was looking at the dailies and he called my agent and said, we'd like to do another picture with Burston. So they started sending me all the scripts that they had, that they owned. And the parts were really boring. They were the old fashioned idea of what a woman is. Right. A, lo a loyal wife, a hooker with a heart of gold, uh, a victim who gets raped, um, and they didn't interest me. And I said, I don't want to do any of this. This was the beginning of the woman's movement. And I said, I want to do a character that's like the women I know. So I, my agent found the script for Alice, sent it to me. I liked it. I sent it to them. And I said, OK, we'll do it. Who do you want to direct it? And I said, somebody new and exciting. I didn't know who, who that was. And I called Francis Coppola. Yeah. And I said, who's new and exciting? And he said, look at a movie called Mean Streets. And I looked at Mean Streets, which hadn't been released yet. And I asked to meet Marty and he came into the office in Warner Brothers. And I said, I want to do this movie from a woman's point of view. What do you know about women? 
<laughs> he said, he's, he said, nothing, but I'd like to learn. And I just thought that was brilliant. So I hired him. And God, I mean, he's turned out to be the master of cinema. I just love and respect him so much. He's so, uh, there's nobody like him. Such an active brain, that guy. Oh, so, God. It's like he's like on fire. He's always going. It's like so much going on up there. And and his eye, you know, yeah. the way he sees his vision. So I'm just really grateful. And did he did you find that he did listen to you and learn about women on that shoot? Did how did he defer to you a lot in terms of the character and where to go? I, I wouldn't say defer as a as an operative verb for Marty. Yeah. But we worked together. Right. You know, yeah. uh, he, my image of the set, when you enter the set, Marty's set, it's like entering the ring at a prize fight. Uh-huh. It's like it's all going to happen in this ring. Right. And we get in and then we start mixing it up, you know. Yeah. The, yeah. Other, the other actor and Marty and yeah. the script and magic happens it's great well he yeah i I imagine he's almost like sort of provides he's like a battery like like he's the energy of (laughs) i love that oh i love that i'm gonna say it from now on when i talk about marty (laughs) it's true is it true it's like that feels like that oh yeah it's charged up absolutely yeah but like did you have any idea the exorcist would become what it became when you did that movie well I have to say that it was a best-selling book. Sure. And there was a lot of talk about the extras. Oh, it's going to be a movie. And, you know, it was, um, it was a juicy part to, to get. Yeah. You know, actresses wanted that yeah. part. Not all of them, apparently, but um, some of us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was aware that it was going to get a lot of attention. It was already getting a lot of attention. And my my memory of the opening was me coming down for breakfast, going in the kitchen, turning on the TV set. And on the news, they're filming in Montreal. People lined up for hours sleeping. And it was snowing and they were like four hours in line waiting for the movie theater to open. And after watching it a while, I remember saying out loud to my kitchen, actually to the television set in my kitchen, people, people, it's a movie. <laughs> you know, yeah. What are you doing? You can go tomorrow. You can wait, yeah, wait a week. Really? Yeah. <laughs> four hours in line for yeah. a movie. I didn't get it. So it was shocking how successful it was it was really shocking i can't imagine what that set was like i talked to friedkin for two and a half hours and man that guy's got like you know he sees symbols and everything and everything is connected and he's like you know he's got a kind of maniacal kind of creative mind i can't imagine what it would have been like to work with him at that time you know my experience of friedkin and marty and Darren Aronofsky, Ray Fulson, the uh, Peter Bogdanovich, yeah, is their partners. You know, yeah. like we're in this together. We're creating this together. Oh, that's good. 
It's amazing. Like you just, I mean, you love to work. It's because you did, you know, big Broadway shows. You did the big movies. You did, you did a lot of TV, even later in the, in the, you did TV. It seems in the middle of doing big movies as well. You just like to work. I do. I I like, you know, my recipe for happiness is find a way to make a, a living at something that you'd be glad to do for free. Yeah. And I feel that way about acting. It's what I do. It's what I can do. It's what I like doing, you know. And did, like, what, is the city burning down over there? What's happening? The um... <laughs> I, I just live on a street that the fire engines and the uh, ambulances like They come and go, yeah. Yeah. When, when you worked with Alan Alda, he seems like a, an amazing actor to work with. He's, he's an amazing actor because he's an amazing man. Yeah. He's he's a really fine human being. I love him deeply. Yeah. Uh, he's really a, a good guy, you know. That yeah, that that movie I I think is a is a, is sort of a sweet movie. It's a very interesting movie. It must have been a great play. I never saw it as a play. The same time next year. It was a great play. Charles Grodin played it on Broadway. Oh. Uh, he's, <laughs> So good, that guy. Yeah. You were yeah. in it with Groden? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. my God. I was sad that he passed away, and I was sad I didn't get to talk to him because there was really nobody like that guy. Nobody liked that guy. Yeah. he He's so special. He did something I can't imagine any other actor ever considering doing. When the movie was cast and they did not cast him, and believe me, he was brilliant in that part. Brilliant, funny and moving and deep and touching. And he was wonderful. And they cast Alan, who is, you know, equally as, equally as magnificent. His, rea- his reaction, he set up going on a talk show. I don't remember if it was Jack Parr or Johnny Carson. I don't remember who was around then. He goes on the talk show yeah. and he and he tells them to tell him that Alan Alda got cast. <laughs> he goes on and, and he starts yeah. talking about the play and then he and then he says, and they're gonna do a movie, and I expect, you know, I'll, I'll be yeah. casting that. I'll be doing and they say, Oh no, they've cast it. What do you mean they've cast it? Yeah. So Alan Alda is gonna do. Alan Oliver's going to play my part. He just did this <laughs> whole number. I can, then he started quoting his reviews for the play. Yeah. And one of the reviews said, hats in the air. And he always loved to say that. How are you tonight? Are we hats in the air? So he said, they said hats in the air. He explained on the show. And he kept quoting his reviews. He was so oh, funny. Oh, my God. I got to find that. I got to dig that up. That's got to be on out there. On YouTube, it's somewhere, because it's so he he acted so hurt, uh, and like he didn't know, <laughs> and how could they do it? He didn't understand. Uh, that's genius. So funny, man. He's so he, funny. He was genius. He was genius. Eccentric. Yeah, yeah. Well, you seem like you know. It's like even in relation to uh, you know. Uh, what you said publicly about working with Louis, who it seems to me that you have a sensitivity from life experience to people that are peculiar or, or may do bad things, but you don't uh, necessarily dismiss them as bad people. I thought that was a very uh, 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 nice way to handle that. 
Well, Louis, my God, you know, he's he's such a huge talent, yeah. huge talent. And, you know, he had this um, problem. He didn't he didn't deal with in a, in a proper way. I mean, that That's terrible. But I'm not going to pretend that he's not a major, major talent in a and a wonderful man in other ways, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it takes a, it takes a life of experience to to bring that kind of empathy to these situations. You know that you know that people are very quick to uh, you, you know to react differently because they don't have uh, necessarily the life experience to kind of contextualize it like that. Well, part of my spiritual training was to not be judgmental, mm-hmm. and uh, I asked. Uh, my spiritual teacher at the time, I said, I don't understand if, you know, somebody uh, hurts you, um, you, you don't want to be hurt again, you know, that you, you judge what they did. Was bad. He said, oh, I didn't say you shouldn't be discerning. Right. You know, you right. know there's a difference being judgmental and discerning. Right. And, and certainly I, I discern that Louis had a problem that he didn't deal with enough to not have it anymore but i i discern that it was a problem yeah and a problem of a very talented and interesting and good man in other ways yeah get it yeah yeah and like and i i I just really appreciate that you know you still like in acting i was i there was something interesting in terms of what i've watched of your recent work in seeing this new movie I, there was a, a little bit of relief in the sense that, like, this woman is is sort of a a kind of a regular person with very you know uh, you know understandable struggles as somebody who is getting older and doesn't want to give in to it. Whereas, like, you know, I watched uh, the the last movie I watched you in, which was Pieces of a Woman, and then when I think back to the Aronofsky film Requiem for a Dream, I mean, these are you know, really hardcore, psychologically difficult, you know, troubled people in a way. So there was part of me was sort of like, not only do you have an amazing range, but I was sort of relieved in a way that you could have a, a, a little fun or more fun with, the, <laughs> with this. Or, but maybe you didn't have more fun with this. Maybe you really enjoy, like in Requiem for a Dream, that character is is hard to watch. It's so uh, intense. Yeah, I know. I, it's exhilarating. Yeah. to do stuff like that, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's um, that's like running a really long race and <laughs> getting there, and you know, doing what your job is and pulling it off feels good. It just feels really good. Yeah. Um, I I was happy at the end of every day. Oh yeah. Because I met the challenge. Right. Yes. Yes. And uh, was Aronofsky uh, great to work with? I've talked to him too. He seems like uh, it's hard for me to. He seemed pretty intense, but it, like the movies are so intense, I can't imagine what it'd be like to be on a set with him. He's very intense. He's very smart. Um, he's also very sensitive and kind and um, a loving person. Yeah, he was great to work with. Again, I felt like we were a team. Yeah, he's understanding. He has depth. 
you know, it's great to work with people like that. Now I it was I was watching um you know the pieces of a woman film and that that was a that's a big part and I don't know how like I, I don't know how that movie did or how many people saw it but it's a disturbing movie and and you're great in it and in you know it's a that's a, a, a sort of cold emotional character it's, it's a heavy um but did that like I was watching it and I, did that sh- it shot in Montreal right mm-hmm. cuz they kept saying Boston and I'm like I lived in Boston for years that looks like Canada <laughs> <laughs> was it nice to be in Montreal again since the nightclub days? <laughs> well, when I was uh, in the dancing in the nightclub, I could walk home at night, actually at two in the morning. But uh, when I was there for pieces of a woman, it was cold. Right. We, yeah. Yeah. We didn't go anywhere. Um, I didn't walk outside a lot. As a matter of fact, they did the hotel I was in didn't have a gym. So for exercise, I walked the length of the, the floor I lived on all the way to the furthest stairway, went down one stair and then walked all the way the length the other. And I went all I lived on the eighth floor and I walked all the way down to the bottom and then I turned around and came back. <laughs> yeah. That was the, uh, the workout. That was my workout, yeah. And did you enjoy doing that film? Well, I did because, again, it was wonderful people. Vanessa Kirby is just such a brilliant actress. Crazy, and, right? And, wow, that and she's, she's so good. She's so good, and she's such a dear person. I love her. Um, and the, the writer and director, Kata and Cornell, I loved working with. Yeah. It was just a, it was a, a good experience. As difficult as it was, it was a good experience. In the new movie, like, did, had you, did you have a relationship with Anne Margaret? Did you know her from back in the day? We've worked together before. Yeah. Um, now she says three films, but I can only think of two. So, but you know, I've been working for over sixty years. Yeah. You know, it, there's a lot of films in there. She, I can't imagine what that first one was. I've got to ask her next time it's here. <laughs> Yeah. We were in t- twice in a lifetime together. She stole Gene Hackman from me, as I recall. He was my husband, and I think she got him, as I recall. So we didn't really have scenes together. She was with yeah, uh, my Gene. husband. How great is Gene Hackman? Totally great. <laughs> he's just totally great. You know? Oh, you could just watch him do anything. I miss, uh, I miss seeing him and everything. Well, you know, he doesn't really like acting. I know. I guess he's up in Santa Fe uh, writing a book or something. Painting. Oh, painting. He's a painter. He never liked acting or he just does, he just didn't want to do it anymore? I didn't have an in-depth conversation oh. with him, but I understand from what I hear yeah. that that he he doesn't really like it. He doesn't like doing it, but he's so good at it. <laughs> He's so good at it. And, you know, here's an example of how how he's good. In the movie, he's my husband. He broke up with me to go with uh, Anne Margaret. And when he tells me that he's leaving me, he he took off his ring, his wedding ring. And when I saw that, for some reason, it just broke my heart. Yeah. Yeah, I watched him do that, and it just killed me. So then, that was for the master shot. So then, when they 
did my close-up, and he's off camera. He did that every time oh, off camera. Yeah. He took off the ring. Now, we didn't talk about it. I didn't ask him for it. I didn't say anything to him about it. But he saw that it affected me. And he did it when he didn't have to off camera. And I was so moved by that. It made me even more sorry to lose him as a husband. Oh, it, it's, a, it's a generous as an actor, too, to do that. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Well, you know, like all these, we're talking about all these like huge films and these, uh, they were all sort of um, led by men, directed by men. Do you have a sense, you know, that the, that the industry is changing, you know, for the better with more, with, you know, women more involved in top positions and whatnot? Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Women in top positions at studios, but also making an effort, you know, to hire more women producers, more women writers, more women directors. Oh, that's definitely happening, just as it is being conscious of diversity in terms of skin color. Yeah. You know, and background. I mean, I think Hollywood is really making a real effort to not have it just be a bunch of white guys. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, just look at that Nomad Land. Oh, yeah. you know, that's such a gorgeous movie. And it's so feminine. Yeah. But it, I, it's not just appealing to women. Right. You know? Well, I think that's like this, this misconception about, like, you, you know, entitlement, you know, on behalf of, of of white guys is that, you know, they feel like they're being pushed out where, you know, it's it's really what's happening is, no, the 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 playing field is being leveled for as many different points of view, from as many different voices as possible. So if they're yeah. threatened by that, maybe they just can't. Maybe they've been getting away with something, which I think is really probably uh, true in a lot of cases. Well, I think there's. I mean, I can understand it. It's a question of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years, that being a white man was being the, in the position of power. Right. And, you know, I, I'm reading the Iliad right now. Really? And, and the, for a, a man to conquer another man, that means you get his wife. Yeah. You know? Property. Women were property. Yeah. Almost like slaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and slaves were definitely, you know, one man beats kills another man, he gets the slaves, he gets the wife, whatever. What compelled you to read the Iliad? Um, It's background for a piece that I'm working on that is a very difficult piece that I can't talk about yet because it's not real. Is it? It's it's something that I hope is going to happen next year. On stage or on film? Stage? Stage. Looks exciting. Well, that's exciting. You you know, you stay, you know, you, you're just busy. And I, you know, and I, I enjoyed seeing you in this new movie. I enjoy seeing you in every movie and I enjoy talking to you today and I appreciate it. Thank you. It was nice talking to you, Mark. Okay. That was, how was, wasn't she amazing? So much better memory than I have. I don't know why I'm judging. I, I just like, I, my, my memory's going and as we get older, our memory goes, but man. She was on it. I should have asked her what she's doing to keep her memory together. The movie is called Queen Bees. It's now playing in theaters and on demand. It stars Ellen Burstyn, who we just hung out with. James Kahn, Jane Curtin, and Anne Margaret. And it's enjoyable. 
My mother's going to love it. All right, here's some guitar that was very frustrating to get to, even though it's not different than anything I've always played here. Uh, enjoy yourselves. Monkey and La Fonda and man, it's fucking cat angels everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> 